I wrote a book about my life named Moguldom. You can get more information about this book at moguldombook.com. I talk about acquiring a knowledge of self, self-determination, and building a business over 10 years. There are some gems in this book that you don't want to miss. One way to support the Go movement in this podcast is to go to moguldombook.com, buy the book on pre-sale to support the Go movement. Let's go. You're listening to Go with Jamarlin Martin. We have a go harder, go home approach as we talk to the leading tech leaders, politicians, and influencers. Let's go. Today we have a special episode, The Case Against John Ali. Uh, We're going to dive right in and look at the sources of the information that's going to be presented over this podcast series. So this is part one of a series. And so I'm going to introduce the sources and some of the, the key figures in the case against John Ali. And, you know, you can formulate your own conclusions once I present the facts over the series. And so one source you're going to get in part one, you're going to get John Ali himself, who has kind of come out of hiding a couple of years ago. And, you know, he conducted an interview and he addressed the rumor of him being some type of government agent or informant. The first source I want to go to is Malcolm X. But before we we get there, here are some kind of an important chronology. So COINTELPRO is launched in 1956. Okay. John Ali joins the nation allegedly in 1957. Reportedly in 1957, another date that's out there is 1954. So, you know, if we call John Ali joining the nation between 1954 and 1957, okay, COINTELPRO launches officially in 1956. So around the time that COINTELPRO launches, and this is the entity that was set up within the FBI to break the back of any organization that was looking to liberate black people or, you know, organizations who the United States government thought of as a threat and also communists. So COINTELPRO, the type of stuff that they would do is, of course, spy on Dr. King, spy on Malcolm X, spy on Elijah Muhammad. Uh, track their movements, try to understand what's going on, uh, try to infiltrate the group. And so this is not uh, some type of conspiracy theory. Of course, the FBI has released a lot of documents uh, related to the COINTELPRO activity. And so you can go online and read uh, some of this documentation uh, yourself. So I'm going to go through these dates uh, here. So John Ali joins the NOI between 1954 and 1957. COINTELPRO launches in 1956. The health of Elijah Muhammad really starts to decline in 1961. Okay, so uh, his bronchitis is is elevated in, in 1961. In the, the Malcolm X movie or in popular culture, you know, they make it out to be you know, hey, Malcolm's faith was was really, you know, shattered. And, you know, when he became aware of Elijah Muhammad's, uh, you know, private affairs with women within the nation, multiple women within the nation. And then Malcolm, you know, had all these kind of new thoughts about 
you know, getting along with white folks and, and changing his ideology. What's not been the case with uh, Malcolm X and, 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 and studying him is a centering of John Ali as a main player in terms of his assassination and tearing Malcolm X and Elijah apart. Uh, okay, so let's go to uh, Malcolm. So in the autobiography of Malcolm X, this is what Malcolm X states. Black agents were sent to infiltrate us, but the white man's secret spy often proved, first of all, a black man. I can't say all of them, of course. There's no way to know. But some of them, after joining us and hearing, seeing, and feeling the truth for every black man, revealed their roles to us. Some resigned from the white man's agency and came to work in the Nation of Islam. Okay, so this is from the autobiography of Malcolm X. Okay, so Malcolm X is saying here that, look, we had agents come into the mosque and they said they came in there to, to, to be, you know, they were an agent, but then they flipped to the NOI. They said, hey, after listening to this, I don't want to work for the FBI anymore. So Malcolm is acknowledging that, you know, uh, the FBI has sent people in and then some of these agents, uh, they revealed to Malcolm, uh, according to the autobiography, that they were agents, but now they're writing for the NOI. So John Ali, in his interview that you're going to hear later in the, the, the podcast, he's going to tell you his words that, yes, he interviewed with J. Edgar Hoover with the FBI. And, of course, John Ali, he comes to uh, the Boston Mosque where Malcolm was, and he joins under Malcolm. So, you know, most likely Malcolm is talking about in my view, Malcolm X is talking about John Ali here. Uh, okay, so uh, Malcolm says agents come into the mosque and then they have flipped towards us. Okay, John Ali says, hey, out of Bryant College in Rhode Island, class in 1950, I was the first black guy ever to graduate from Bryant College. J. Edgar Hoover and some really elite folks, including officials with Bryant University flew John Ali to D.C. to interview with J. Edgar Hoover. So John Ali himself says that he told Malcolm that he interviewed with J. Edgar Hoover and the FBI. Malcolm says agents came in and told him that they were with the FBI, but they switched up. But John Ali says that he wasn't hired. They just flew him out there, but they didn't hire him. Another uh, source that we're going to lean on is the FBI file, are the FBI files. So in an FBI memo dated May 7th, 1968, this is what the FBI says, and this is after Malcolm X has passed. The FBI says, if Herbert Muhammad could be removed as successor to the leadership of the NOI, it would place our top-level NOI informants in a better position to neutralize the extremist cult. So at this time, in 1968, John Ali is a major, major figure in Chicago. Malcolm puts John Ali in Chicago, and he's rising and rising and rising. And, you know, one of the reasons he's rising, according to the FBI file, is the FBI file says he's U.S. military. Okay, so he has military training. Two, he's graduating first black guy from Bryant University in Rhode Island. He has an accounting background. You know, the military, the accounting, potential FBI training. 
whatever it is, brothers and sisters from the hood are from prison in terms of how a lot of the ministers came up are through HBCUs if they were educated. He's kind of out this box, okay? This is a special Negro in a sense where folks like J. Edgar Hoover is going to, you know, fly him out, meaning that white folks have a lot of prospects for him. You know, he's, he's, he's going to school with all white folks, and he's looked at as kind of, as he says, like in this black hierarchy, this kind of boule-flavored Negro who the white establishment loves. But uh, between 1954 and 1957, he pops up with this elite background, coming out of the military, coming out of the Bryant College, the first black guy to graduate from Bryant College. He shows up in Boston and like, hey, you know, the white man is the devil. I want to join the nation, but you can trust me, essentially. So the FBI file says that they have someone very, very high up. They say multiple NOI informants, okay, multiple. And they say in 1968, when John Ali is arguably top three, top four in the nation, the FBI's memo states that they have somebody very, very high up, okay, in the rank. So that's, you know, that should establish that there's somebody who has not been named Okay, very high up in the nation of Islam at this time, who was feeding the U.S. government information. They were in partnership with the U.S. government. So you can use the, the U.S. government's documentation, and they're telling you how they infiltrated the NOI and, and how high level their people were. Uh, one source, of course, is going to be the FBI files. And of course, uh, they say that they have somebody pretty damn ready to take over if they could get Herbert Muhammad, Elijah Muhammad's son, uh, out the way. Louis Lomax was a Yale PhD journalist. And, you know, Mike Wallace gets a lot of credit for bringing Malcolm on uh, the hate that the hate produced on 60 Minutes. But Louis Lomax worked with Mike Wallace. And so he is really largely responsible for, for, for bringing Malcolm into the mainstream from a television perspective. So Louis Lomax is very curious about Malcolm X. And of course, he's responsible for working with Mike Wallace on the hate that the hate produced that really helped blow Malcolm X up even more. But Louis Lomax receives a letter from the FBI in the 60s telling him, not to print anything related to John Ali being a former FBI agent. So Louis Lomax says he has sources within the FBI, or a source within the FBI, that has verified and told him that John Ali had some type of relationship with the FBI. He used to be an agent. Louis Lomax wants to print this, and the FBI contacts Louis Lomax. So we're going to go through that. Louis Lomax is the uh, central figure uh, in the case against uh, John Ali. So uh, right now I'm going to be reading out of The Judas Factor, The Plot to Kill Malcolm X by Carl E. Valens. Let's turn to page 198. On March 20th, 1964, 12 days after Malcolm X officially broke with the black Muslims, Sullivan, who was in charge of the high-level FBI informant, received an air tale from the Seattle field office advising him that the following passage appeared in Lomax's book. So here's the passage uh, from Lomax's book. 
It is now clear that Elijah has delegated to Chicago responsibility for turning out the movement's publications and all over overall policy statements. It is equally clear that the finances and other administrative chores of the movement are carried out in Chicago. This decision by Muhammad was made possible because John X. Ali, a former FBI agent and perhaps the best administrative mind in the movement, was shifted from New York to Chicago. So Louis Lomax wants to to write this, of course, or, or, or publish this in his book. So the FBI rea- reacted to the passage with a rapid flurry of memorandums. In a second memo to Sullivan, an FBI official wrote, It is felt that the Seattle office should be advised concerning the true status of John Ali Simmons and his alleged connection with the borough, and that the New York office should be instructed to contact Lomax to advise him concerning the inaccurate statement contained in this book regarding Simmons and that he be instructed to have the statement removed from any future printings of the book. Under recommendations to Hoover, I'm reading from uh, The Judas Factor, The Plot to Kill Malcolm X, uh, page 198. Under recommendations to Hoover, the memo again suggested that the New York field office be advised to contact Lomax regarding the incorrect statement in his book. Okay, Hoover wrote on the memo, which was illuminating for a number of reasons. First of all, we need to highlight this. If J. Edgar Hoover, the head of the FBI, the CEO of the FBI, and Sullivan, who runs COINTELPRO, okay, these are like the owners. These you, you can't go higher in the FBI than Sullivan and Hoover. So first of all, they're interested in this subject enough where they're talking about Louis Lomax printing something about John Ali. Obviously, J. Edgar Hoover and Sullivan, they're not going to be dealing with some low-level punk agent, okay, off the street. They're going to be dealing with somebody very, very sensitive, okay, very, very high level. If they are working somebody inside the Nation of Islam, this is somebody that's going to be higher up. Okay, are ready to make a move higher up. So let's establish that J. Edgar Hoover and William Sullivan in the FBI. Sullivan was the director of COINTELPRO. They are writing communications that you can read online in the FBI files where they're concerned about Lomax coming out saying that John Ali worked for the FBI. Did Louis Lomax? Listen to the FBI. A lot of journalists, if the FBI contacts you or, or they're involved, you may say, hey, you know, I'm not I'm not going to print this. Right. I'm not going to get in trouble with the FBI or the U.S. government, particularly uh, particularly in the 60s. OK, Louis Lomax says, look, my sources are rock solid. I'm going to print it anyway. Louis Lomax, after this, uh, according to Carl Yvonne's, he was working on a documentary covering how Malcolm X was killed. And Louis Lomax prints that passage about John Ali being a, a FBI agent, at least at one point. And he dies in New Mexico from a car crash. Uh, his brakes failed uh, on him. That's a whole nother story in terms of potential foul play. Uh, so Louis Lomax, in terms of 
how deep he was in the game. The FBI file on this journalist before his brakes went out and died. Uh, the FBI file, they had at least what was released is 150 pages on this one journalist. So he's he's deep in the game. So we have to establish that Louis Lomax is a big player while all this stuff is going on. You know, you'll see the New York Times or Wall Street Journal or Financial Times. They have folks inside of corporations, government entities that will leak information, including the FBI, the NSA. They have folks at times where they can scoop a story and they have a source directly in the FBI, NSA, CIA. Louis Lomax was so good that he had sources too back then in the FBI who told him who John Ali was. Okay, and the FBI did not like that. Louis Lomax is an important figure. Uh, now we're going to go to Wallace. So Wallace is Elijah Muhammad's son. He took over uh, the nation when Elijah died. This is what Wallace had to say. The FBI had key persons in the national staff, at least one or two, maybe. They were preparing for the death of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad in terms of determining his successor. I believe that the members of the Nation of Islam were influenced to do the things that they were doing, not just by the national staff and my father, but also by the intelligence department. So here, I agree with Wallace. My findings and the facts point to a weekend Elijah Muhammad. The government is in the national secretary position in the name of John Ali. Nobody wants to go ahead and center him in this stuff. Elijah Muhammad's health is declining. John Ali gets into the national secretary position. If John Ali is a government informant, okay, if he's working with the government and he's a administrative mastermind, this guy's military trained. This is why Malcolm X, one of the big reasons Malcolm X loved him is this guy He's, he's doing what, you, what he says he's going to do. He's going to execute. Nobody can touch him on his administrative abilities. Okay, this guy is an operations hitman. Okay, he knows how to get stuff done. Okay, and Malcolm respects him. He sees that he, he's helping Malcolm lay the foundation of the nation and scale the nation. John Ali is on Malcolm X's right side so much that John Ali is living with Malcolm. Okay, so John Ali has proven himself. And if you, if you prove yourself to Malcolm, number two, then you prove yourself to Elijah. Now, if Malcolm is going to stick his neck out and sponsor John Ali for Chicago, Elijah knows that this guy, this is the man. More money's coming in, more moss, more uh, memberships. John Ali is helping Malcolm get the machine moving he's helping to make sure that the trains run on time okay so john ali his mission is to impress first malcolm and then impress elijah and he does just that with that promotion to national secretary in chicago so with malcolm out the picture after he leaves the the, the nation john ali can step into that of a void particularly with Elijah's health declining and John Ali becomes the man, 
okay he, he becomes very powerful he's over the finances he sees everything okay so wallace here is saying that based on what i know and i wallace hey he took over the nation okay when elijah died wallace is saying based on how things are moving the u.s government had to have one or two agents in very high level so whatever whoever you talk to out there whatever you read no one can really center one agent authoritatively who is in the high level ranks of the nation now some people may not want to center someone and go ahead and convict someone in the jury uh, within Black America of being the high-level informant or agent working for the U.S. government. Uh, there are some potential considerations of why some people may not want more evidence to come out against John Ali. Uh, one reason why some people may not want the evidence against John Ali uh, to come out and they want this more suppressed is it gets to the the fallibility of Elijah uh, and Malcolm, uh, meaning that some folks, you know, may say, hey, if Elijah Muhammad was the messenger of God, how could the messenger of God be relying on the FBI? Okay, so if John Ali equals FBI or if John Ali equals U.S. intelligence agencies, how could this messenger of God who met God, how could he ha how could he be relying on someone who's working for the U.S. government? OK, that's one question where you could have spooky resistance from the facts in case against John Ali and whether you're an Elijah loyalist are a Malcolm loyalist on his side is, hey, if Malcolm is so great, why would he send the FBI all up on Elijah? Why would you send the U.S. government into the center of the nation where, you know, obviously this is not intentional, but this, you know, after the fact, you say that, hey, this is really bad judgment, uh, considering that Malcolm himself said that, agents came to him and told him that they flipped to the nation and they're not with the white men anymore. I think most likely that interaction or, or that statement was naive. And I think John Ali probably told Malcolm that he was an agent, although John Ali says he just told Malcolm that he interviewed with Jago Hoover. Now, in terms of looking at this matter, if someone comes to you and you're working for the liberation of black people and they tell you that they interviewed with the U.S. government. You may say, hey, they came over to me. That's the, you know great that they told me. However, that person should be automatically disqualified, irrespective of performance and execution. You can't put that person right up on the leader and the finances, okay, because of this previous contact with the U.S. government, meaning that, hey, you could be loyal, Okay, you could be have true intentions where you're changing gangs in a sense. You were blood, but now you're crip. Okay, you were FBI, but now you're nation. Okay, you may allow that person to stay in the nation. And you say the teaching is so strong, we can flip people like governments flip spies that have been sent in to spy on them and they flip them. Okay, however, 
if this person has a background with the U.S. government, you can't put them on the messenger. You know, you, you're not taking a chance of putting them at the center of the black organization because what if you were wrong? What if, you know, there was a 30%, 20% chance that this guy's lying and he's still in bed with the U.S. government and he's playing you? What if there's a 20 30, 50% chance, okay? So because the risk is there, you can't put this person next to the messenger, okay? This person is going to destroy the organization. And he worked to destroy the relationship, of course, between Malcolm and Elijah. So the, the FBI memos, they talk about what COINTELPRO wanted to do specifically is separate Malcolm from Elijah. So that's their goal. And so that's exactly what happened. So the FBI documentation is saying we want to separate Malcolm and Elijah. We want to cause confusion. We want to cause paranoia and start spreading rumors about, you know, ministers and fake letters that, that Malcolm wrote. And, and the FBI is trying to pull these great leaders apart from one another, the teacher and the student. They're, they're, they're trying really hard and they have. What looks to be a prize inside of the Nation of Islam in John Ali. Thomas 15X Johnson, uh, who changed his name to Khalil Islam. Now, he's one of the alleged assassins who served hard time for killing Malcolm. But many people believe on the inside and scholars such as Manning Marable that he didn't do it. Okay, so... The reason he went to jail, according to uh, him, is that his testimony, he was trying to cover for John Ali. A New York Magazine article uh, entitled The Journey of Khalil Islam, The Man Who Didn't Shoot Malcolm X. Khalil uh, says that John Ali was an agent and he can't believe that he was trying to kind of ride or die for the nation. And when the investigators came in to look at this, he was trying to cover for what turned out to be an FBI uh, agent. Uh, so this is what Khalil Islam, one of the alleged assassins of Malcolm X, who did hard time, this is what he says. Khalil also pointed out the agents. Every other man was a cop, said Khalil, who was compromised at his trial by dutifully lying to protect John Ali, Elijah Muhammad's national secretary, who many came to believe was an FBI agent. This is Khalil. I screwed myself lying to protect an informer, Khalil says, shaking his head. So when you look at, let's call it the, the black jury in terms of what the words of Malcolm said about FBI agents coming in and then flipping to the nation. Uh, when you think about Wallace saying that the way stuff was moving at that time, uh, the U.S. government had to have one or two agents. Uh, when you look at John Henry Clark saying, telling Malcolm to his face that John Ali was an agent, and we're going to play that audio clip. When you look at Louis Lomax in real time, when all this stuff is going on, and the FBI was trying to punk him into not printing actual facts that John Ali at some point had worked for a FBI agent according to sources within the FBI. So you're starting to see this list build up. I believe a damning list build up in terms of the case against John Ali. 
Uh, and so we're going to cut to John Ali himself, uh, and then we're going to uh, have John Henry Clark, a short clip from him. And then, of course, uh, we'll continue in part two. You, it appeared that you knew how to handle the media, but also, John, there were rumors that you were an agent of the FBI. You understood governmental tactics, and, and you and knew everything about the inside, so you were head and shoulders above us because you came in to destroy the nation as an agent. But it appears that you got a, a hell of a belief, uh, you know. So explain that rumor and how that... Well, I went to school in Rhode Island, Bryant University in Rhode Island. Okay. And so the graduating class of 750, I was in that class, and the, they had the Secretary of Commerce, Charles Sawyer, as the commencement speaker. Mm. And Dr. Jacobs, who was the president of the university, he had arranged for me to go down to Washington to see Secretary Sawyer about employment. Mm -hmm. Because in the 50s, you know, I graduated with an accounting and economic degree. But in those days, you know, if you was a clerk at Woolworth, that was considered a big thing. They didn't have no black clerk. That was, yeah. that was the same as being a doctor or a lawyer. Right, right, right. Or you at the post office. You wore your uniform to formals. Right. That was considered a high position. Right. High position. And, and that's, I, I want you to finish, but that's what I'm saying. Here you were, this elite so-called American Negro. What would you be doing coming in the nation of Islam other than somebody said, well, let's send that Negro in. And because and, and this is a powerful group, we want to destroy it, even before Malcolm. Why not use you? You knew Malcolm, you knew Jeremiah Shabar? Yeah, well, when I came into the nation, it did not have the popularity or acceptance that it had now. Right. Or the term being black. So I accepted it and I had been part of the black hierarchy, the elites, you know, doctors, yeah. lawyers, and all that. Not because I was smart, but they recognized my association with white. Yeah. You know, I'd gone to a, a white university in New England mm -hmm. where most blacks attended Harvard, I mean, uh, Howard, Fisk, right. you know, Tuskegee. So I was like a celebrity. <laughs> I'd gone to a white university and in New England, you know. You know. So this was your need. Yeah. And I had, I had told Malcolm when I came, he was the minister in the temple, that when I graduated from the university, the president of the university, Dr. Jacobs, arranged for me to go to Washington to see uh, 
Charles Sawyer, who was Secretary of Commerce, they were trying to employ me because of the 750 graduates that was graduating my class, I was the only black. Mm -hmm. In fact, I was the first black to graduate from Bryant University mm. in Rhode Island. So I went down there and Charles Sawyer, the Secretary of Commerce, arranged for me to go to different departments of the United States, you know, uh, mm -hmm. Treasury. And the federal government, period. And the federal government. And at that time, the FBI, they only hired uh, lawyers or accountants. or accountants for agents at that time. And they all were being hired personally by J. Edgar Hoover. Mm -hmm. So S Secretary Sawyer of Commerce, he arranged for me to have an interview with J. Edgar Hoover, yeah. which I was interviewed by him. But even though he was the head and did all the hirings of agents and senior positions in the FBI, they didn't hire me because the federal government had very few people in high position above uh, what they call a GS-4, the service, civil service rating. You know... And I had a civil service rating of a GS-7. Uh, you were higher than what they needed, right? I mean, right. and you were, the, and you were overqualified. Yeah, I was qualified. Cause but you were overqualified. Well, I won't say overqualified because he, well, I don't know what criteria who would use in hiring people. You know, he has, one, you had to be a graduate in accounting or, or law. Right. So I satisfied being in accounting. And so I interviewed with him. But at that time, you know, very few people were in the FBI. You know, the, I think it was about five. Blacks. Black. Very few black. I meant to say black, right. So uh, very few black. And they didn't have any uh, black agents then, back in 1950. But why did you let these rumors go on for so long? You knew they were out there. Well, I was out there, and like the messenger, he, he knew uh, he wasn't intimidated, like to say the FBI was more vicious than the church. You know, they was all the same to him, you know. You could have said, I belong to the Boy Scouts. I recruited for the Boy Scouts. He wasn't say, oh, that's okay. Well, what would that, or say he was recruited for the FBI, that he would start shaking his boots. But you he viewed them all as pockets on the same pants yeah. of the devil. Sylvester Leakes and yourself had exposed a person in the Nation of Islam to Elijah Muhammad and Malcolm as having government ties, but they did not believe you. Was that person John Ali? Yes. 
Thanks, everybody, for listening to Go. You can check me out at Jamarla Martin on Twitter and also come check us out at moguldom.com. That's M-O-G-U-L-D-O-M.com. Be sure to subscribe to our daily newsletter. You can get the latest information on crypto, tech, economic empowerment, and politics. Let's go.